Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. We have a special edition uh, for you today. I'm uh, recording this podcast at Verizon's newly opened 5G Innovation Lab in San Francisco. I am here attending the opening ceremony of the lab. Uh, it is a small event with select partners and media attending. I'm fortunate to be invited uh, to the event. The San Francisco lab is one of the three such state-of-the-art facilities Verizon has across the country. Uh, in these labs, Verizon and its partners develop, test uh, new use cases, apps, and services. It has already graduated many of the concepts uh, developed in these labs into commercial services. At the event, Verizon also announced upgrades to its 5G network in San Francisco, as well as its venue deployment in Chase Center, the home of Golden State Warriors, and a few other uh, things. There was an informative panel of Verizon's partners, moderated by Brian Mickham, who is the Vice President of Device Technology and Sports Innovation at Verizon. We are fortunate to have Brian with us today uh, to talk about the lab, the announcements, and the whole slew of other things. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Prakash. I appreciate you having me on. This is an exciting day for us. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, congratulations on the inauguration of the lab, uh, the network upgrades. Uh, could you give us some highlights of these upgrades? What are the reasons behind it and what they enable? Absolutely. So big day for us here at Verizon. Uh, we put some press out. We have over 80% now of San Francisco covered with our ultra wideband. On your phone, you'll see the icon pop up. And when you are experiencing ultra wideband, it's uh, 10 times what uh, 4G was. So we just, we really love to talk about our expansion and our 5G. I also want to tell you quickly about the lab. So we had our ribbon cutting. It was kind of fancy. We, we cut the, uh, the ribbon in front of the lab and everybody cheered. And um, we have an opportunity for the press and for analysts to come in and see what we're doing here. This lab is built in partnership with its other two labs. We call this our home for innovation. And what we're capable of doing here is taking anything, any space from our core to our edge compute, to any style of radio connection or radio environment, and we can simulate it in our labs and in our closed off, they call them a Faraday cage, in our closed off labs. So you can come in and a, a business can come in and trial anything they wanna do. They can get creative. They can say, well, what if we tried this? What if we turned this off? What if it was on this radio spectrum? So it gives you an opportunity to be able to develop and, and to honestly get creative and innovate. Very well. Uh, I did take the tour of the lab. It's a fantastic facility. What, what, what do you think when we open the door of the cages? Very nice. I mean, as an RF engineer, I have seen a lot of uh, Faraday cages. So what, what kind of companies can use this lab and what are the activities you engage with them in this lab? Yeah, so uh, any and all are welcome to come in. Uh, we're looking for businesses that want to incubate ideas and try things that they can't accomplish or they're they're worried about doing on a commercial network. And so uh, maybe they're not sure about the quality of their software or the quality of the connectivity or the distance or a radio or what we call RF use case that they're just not able to accomplish because they don't have control over the commercial network. So they can come in and they can say, hey, can we try this? Or what would happen if, if, if there was a fail in the middle of you know, data being transferred or something was being encrypted? It gives them a shot at being able to innovate and come up with any idea that they want and, and we'll work with them on it. 
Very well. So can you give us some examples of how some concepts germinated in the lab, ultimately graduated to commercial services in Verizon Network? Absolutely. So we've um, uh, showed off today. We had quite a few partners in here with us from uh, 5G.mil. Uh, we had uh, Ericsson in here who helped build our radios. And then we had a company in here called Dreamscape Immersive. And the Dreamscape, I'll jump into that one first. They're a, their title, Immersive, educates the, the listener that when you're putting on a VR headset, you don't want to just have a simple experience that's demonstrating the tech. You want to have an experience that's so immersive you forget you're wearing tech. Well, for them to replace, they had these core Intel, you know, i5 backpacks with GPU, CPU, battery, and all this large amount of hardware that a user was wearing. They wanted to say, hey, can we create something small so that it's in essence a neckband and it connects into a headset? Can we do that and how would it operate and what type of network would have to be built from a core perspective because they wanted to go private. So they wanted to do a private network with all of the CPU and GPU being gravitated up to the cloud. Well, that gave us an opportunity to go tackle a problem. So that was one of the ones that was pretty cool to see, uh, pretty exciting to experience. One of the ones that we're doing with uh, Lockheed Martin is being able to take and switch back and forth between the public network and private military networks, as well as something we demonstrated that was really cool. And almost all the press took a picture of it was this core on a backpack. So probably lots of listeners have seen or watched movies where there was somebody within an infantry group who had the big radio. And that was the one that the, the battlefield commander would always want by their side so they could communicate back with headquarters or command to tell them what was going on. Well, imagine now a soldier wearing an entire core and the ability to radio broadcast and the ability to have everything communicate devoid of connectivity. So it creates its own connectivity. And uh, we showed that off today. It's something that we're trialing. It demonstrates the ability for um, a, an infantry group to go out into the battlefield and they can interconnect all of the soldiers and they can have all the same type of connectivity they would have if they were connected to the commercial network. So that, that, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, indeed. I mean, when you talk about a cellular network, usually people think, you know, large racks of, uh, you know, exchanges, big radios, a lot of large antennas, towers and so on. But uh, miniaturizing all of that into a backpack right. to have your own network, I think that is really fascinating. I mean, you have talked about it for a long time, but uh, actually seeing that happen right now in typical commercial, in this case, defense use cases mm -hmm. is really interesting. I mean, we do it. So just to give you some perspective, we we uh, launched 5G five, five years ago. We've had our labs and we used to say, here's the art of what's possible. Mm -hmm. And we would demonstrate that and people would come in and they would see things. For example, one of the use cases that used to get a lot of traction was remote surgery. Well, today we're showing the art of what's practical, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's not really a whole lot of remote surgery happening at this point, <laughs> but um, we're showing the art of what's practical. We, for example, when there's a massive disaster from Mother Nature, whether it's a fire or a hurricane, we have this, this truck, this network on wheels that can blossom and connect and it can provide a network to firefighters or to first responders who are going in to, to help rescue people from a flood or a tornado. 
and this this uh, big big huge red truck. It was recently uh, on TV, and um, uh, it was in a, a, a series that uh, Rob Lowe's in on Fox. Mm -hmm. You can definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, but the point is, we we can dis we can deploy and we can we can run these networks out, and we can uh, at Verizon we say we run to a crisis. We can put these out there. And we can do things we never had the opportunity to do before. And to your point, now we've taken that all the way down to just a backpack. And so that innovation, that just doesn't happen unless if you get people sitting around and like, what do you think we can do? Yeah, indeed. So I checked out the Thor uh, uh, vehicle uh, during uh, Super Bowl, oh, in, Super Bowl in, Los in Los Angeles. Yeah, so it, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. So... It's some and people have to check it out to really believe yeah. it. I, I think until you see it, you just don't really understand what's going on. But to, to be able to take the entire Verizon commercial network, you know, $180 billion we spent over the years building up this massive network, to put it in a truck yeah. and to roll it up and then blossom it for a bunch of firefighters, that's that's innovation. And and taking that to a backpack. Oh, well, even more innovative, right, yeah, for the military, right, for the military, for their use case, being yeah, able yeah. to, to yeah. miniaturize it and, and have all that compute and communication capability from a person wearing a backpack, get out of here. Like, that's just awesome. Yeah. And it's, and the, these use cases they talked about with Dreamscape and Lockheed Martin, what stage of commercialization they are? Are they still trials? Are they going into yeah, utilization so soon? Or? That's a great question. The um, uh, Dreamscape is uh, opening up in retail in a couple of weeks down mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, that's Santa great. Monica Mall. Mm -hmm. And um, the intent is to take it from uh, trial there, then go into a commercial environment. And uh, Thor, you reference the truck. Yeah. We use that regularly. That's mm -hmm. why we roll it out and deploy it to high-profile events so we can get some visibility for it. Um, as far as the backpack, that's still being worked on with Lockheed Martin. And um, you know, when it comes to military stuff, I don't like to predict or announce what they're doing. So, um, but it, it's obviously public enough. We let you take pictures of it today. So, and uh, and uh, the Dreamscape thing that I mentioned about. I mean, there's a lot of hype around XR. I mean. The metaverse bubble bird sort of, but mm -hmm. looking at actually XR applications being commercialized for real use cases where they make difference and make money for the ecosystem. I think mm -hmm. that that is interesting and key, right? So far, in my view, metaverse was more of a hyperbole or what things could be, but but here I think we have something that is real and in flesh and yeah. blood, and people can use it in commercial yeah. setting. I think what you're addressing is that a lot of times we've seen the tech get built and then we try to build use cases around it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you've seen a lot of in VR these days. The difference with Dreamscape is they built entertainment as well as education and then they needed the technology to come to it. So it was, it was an awesome opportunity when they brought it to us because they had already a use case and they were already in a retail environment and they were actually already at Arizona State University and they were already using the technology. Mm -hmm. What they wanted was the ability to graduate away from heavy backpacks, from heavy hardware, from heavy battery. They needed that compute capability. They needed that low latency. And they, need, they needed the ability to connect fast, easy, and just make it work. And mm -hmm. they, a lot of people say that. But, but we now have a, an incredible entertainment and incredible education use case that needed technology and that's why i think today uh, you know for the listeners there was a lot of people that got off the couch and like hey i see why now this is actually pretty cool very nice and uh, you know on the same line so 5g 
first wave of 5G, I would call, is kind of almost complete now, right? I mean, of course, the deployments are still happening. But in the Western markets, the first wave of 5G, which was primarily providing enhanced mobile broadband to mm-hmm. smartphones, is kind of, uh, you know, towards completion right now. So then, uh, which opens up opportunity for next wave of 5G, which I would call, with a lot of exciting use cases, uh, applications, services that we've been talking for a very long time. So some of the some of the things we saw today, what other things are uh, in process uh, for Horizon? Yeah, good question. So I think what you were alluding to a little bit earlier was initially 5G rolled out and 5G, people needed to get used to it. They needed to understand what it did. When you think back about how 4G was enabling, a lot of people call it the gig economy, where you had YouTube accessible, now mobile. In fact, the entire generation now consumes YouTube on on their mobiles versus on computers. And then uh, when you think about uh, Uber or Lyft or some of these uh, apps where people needed to be able to communicate in in quick time and be able to share the location and be able to share where they were going to go and set up an arrangement for payment, all of that was enabled with 4G. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, 5G had to come roaring in. It had to show off what it could do. Uh, initially, people were so enamored with the speeds because you can get faster throughput plus one gigabit speeds uh, and more uh, on, on just your handset. And they're like, oh, that's so awesome. Well, what can I do with it? I think that's what your question is, mm-hmm. is what can we do with really low latency? Because prior to 5G, no one really thought about low latency unless if you were in a manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. So I think I think um, what's happening with 5G now is because it's so ubiquitous, it's on smartphones. People can do augmented or virtual reality things on their devices. They they can hotspot off of it and, and do video in a way they couldn't do on 4G. So what's happening now is because the education is going up, I think people are starting to see it prolific, get out there as far as the coverage. Then you're starting to see what you experience today here at the Innovation Center, which is other opportunities. And so those opportunities are they're incubating from innovation centers like you saw here today at the San Francisco Innovation Center in our grand opening. Uh, there is opportunities that are coming from different spaces in industrial complex. So the industrial world really wants to mm-hmm. be able to have flexibility and they want to also do more than Wi-Fi can allow for. So on the panel today, you probably heard some of that being discussed, that there are use cases that only 5G will satisfy. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi won't satisfy that. Well, by the way, there's enterprises that are figuring that out. They mm-hmm. know that they need those private networks we talked about. They need their um, applications to be served by 5G so their businesses run more efficiently. They collect more information for their employee safety, for their logistics, for their efficiencies. All of those things are happening because of 5G private networks as well. I think that there's entertainment that comes into it. So when you asked your question, I, my head jumped to the sports section because when you sit at home, you have a great experience because it's all curated by just the programmer and the mm-hmm. producer. Well, imagine you being your own programmer producer. There's certainly a generation of TikTokers and Instagrammers that, that think that way. So when you go to a sporting event, you can have a really incredible experience to be able to handle more, play more, experience more. And then you can tell more. And the, one of the things we always notice at big events, especially like a Super Bowl halftime show, mm. is people want to be able to share. 
Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. And so, so uh, what we're seeing with our 5G usage during Super Bowls is the, the upload of the uplink, as we say in the radio world, is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of consumption yeah. that people are sharing and telling and, and then there's creators out there that are also using 5G for that. So I think, I think if you build it, they will come. That's true. And then you've also seen a lot of use cases today. I think there's a lot more coming once people get it in their hands and understand what it's capable of. And yeah. that, 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 that learning curve, I think we're in the middle of it now in 5G. Very well. We'll see how, how that uh, you know, uh, ramps up. So uh, private networks, usually it's about enterprises, a lot of data and so on, right? Mm-hmm. The NFL uh, demo that you showed up, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you also have a contract with NFL to actually implement it. Yeah, That's an interesting use case, right? It's not about high-speed data, lots of capacity, but you know, high resiliency and high reliability, connectivity, just even for voice. Yeah. Talk, about, talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up. Voice is the one thing that I think a lot of us take for granted. And when most people think of their carrier, they don't look at how fast their Facebook or their TikTok posts. They really listen for if their voice crashes or if their voice has audio skipping or if their call drops. Mm-hmm. And that's how people judge, honestly, telecom network still is mm-hmm. by what we used to call the king is voice, yeah. right? So uh, the NFL... They have a requirement to have up to 40 headsets operating between their support staff and their coaches in an environment where if you think about 70,000 fans screaming and yelling, quite a few of the stadiums have open ceilings. So you could have a jet flying by or construction noise or fireworks and you have the chaos of weather. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the, the fog of war that happens when you're in the middle of transitioning between offense and defense or special teams. And you just have so much going on and you want to be able to have a conversation like you and I are here right now, mm-hmm. where there's no lag, mm-hmm. there's no background noise, there's no problems communicating literally every last word for a football play or to hear feedback about something that just happened, which then affects the game on how you call it going forward. Mm-hmm. So the NFL came to us, very sensitive needs, very high demands. They wanted the ability to be able to have a private network for voice that wouldn't be encumbered with other people's usage. Mm-hmm. So for example, you wouldn't want lots of fans posting things, interfering with coaches communicating. So it had to be private. Um, it had to be uh, mobile because uh, we did five events, five games. We supported three in, in Great Britain, mm-hmm. uh, one in Germany, one in Mexico, mm-hmm. and we needed it to work. And so when we first won the contract and we put out some uh, advertising about it, we uh, had some funny moments where we talked about how the coaches say, this stuff just works. Mm-hmm. And they were very excited about it. And so I think when you think about 10 or 15 people standing right next to you and a couple up in the booth that are calling the plays and you're thinking in general about how all of that works, there can't be any lag. There can't be any skips. There mm-hmm. can't be any drops. You have to have very solid voice and you can't have delay with the lips because sometimes they're looking at each other, you know, you're standing there. Mm -hmm. So um, that use case, we determined we would use our own antennas for it. We would use our own private network and then we would set up the ability for coaches to have uh, perfect, (laughs) no mistakes. NFL coaches are a very sensitive bunch. Anything that gets in the way of their game, they will trigger and say that's what caused their loss. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, so in the NFL, they have a thing called the competition committee and they're hypersensitive to people being able to eavesdrop, 
and and the game is just so competitive at, at the NFL pro level. So we built this private network. We built this um, coach to coach communications. We won this five year contract for all 32 teams, which means we'll deploy in 30 stadiums because between New York and LA, there's two teams each in that mm. stadium. And we're just going to have a lot of fun with them being able to use our voice. And like I said, voice is king. And that's how people judge the quality of a network. And so so when, and when listeners think about voice, it, it's still cool. It still requires a lot of, you know, execution, high performance, very technical and capable networks, because also the NFL wants to do more on it. They want to do video on it. They mm -hmm. want to build merchandise on it. They want to do ticket scanners. And we have other leagues that are talking to us. They see what we did with the NFL and they're like, hey, we want some of that. And they're bringing higher demand and more use cases because the players want to interact with the coaches. The coaches mm -hmm. want to interact with their remote coaches. And everybody, the game moves so fast, they don't really have time for waiting. Yeah, They absolutely want to get their information when they want to get it, whether it's video or whether it's voice or whether it's data that's analyzed something from a recent play. Got to be on top of it. Yeah, of course. I mean, and, and uh, you can't have latency at all, right? Because the game would have moved on by the time if you're For late sure. you're getting stuff. Yeah, and if you're losing, yeah. you're yeah. getting fired. Yeah, exactly. Most places. Exactly. And it's an interesting use case where, I mean, NFL has tons of money. So it, it's from a revenue and profit perspective for operators. So invested so much of money in, in deployment uh, and yeah. going to deploy in a private network. So I mean, I they have one of the strongest system. brands in the U.S. Exactly. when it comes to content. Yeah. Uh, and so it's concept. important for them not to mess it up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And what is the current status now? Is it uh, in terms of deployment? When, uh, yeah, so we're deploying this? right now. And, okay. And um, literally this month is a lot of the deployments are happening. And then we get into the activation and then we get into the trial or sorry, not the trial, but the um, turning it up for commercial use. We did all the trials last year. Okay, perfect. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned about the uh, panel, which was, you know, awesome. Great oh, moderation, by the way. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was fun <laughs> to do today. Yeah, indeed. So one of the, you know, things discussed was, and there's a lot of, of course, discussion on private networks, but it's not just private or public networks, right? So both have to work together mm -hmm. based on the use cases. And from a user perspective, they have to be seamless. Mm -hmm. And the experience has to be exactly the same, whether on a private or public network. How is that, you know, coming along and... What are some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, one of the ones, one of the use cases that you heard about today was the um, 5G.mil with Lockheed Martin. Mm -hmm. And I think that their use case has a higher demand, just like we talked about the high demands of the NFL. The military, from a security standpoint, especially their encryption requirements, mm -hmm. um, are unprecedented to work with. They're, they're, they're the highest in, in the business. Course, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you, you would expect that and you kind of want who's people protecting their country not to have problems there. I'm glad that they have that kind yeah, of me too. Me too. I'm glad they got that focus, <laughs> for sure. So what it comes down to is on these private networks and on that demand, we have the ability to meet that need. Mm -hmm. And we're also working on, um, not very many people think about their SIM providing them entitlement. But um, by today's networks, what happens is you get a phone and then you have a SIM and a lot of the newer phones have what's called an eSIM for embedded SIM. Okay. And that SIM is your relationship with your carrier. It's mm -hmm. what entitles you on a credit card. It's what entitles you to be able to spend money from your bank or not. Of course, yeah. And so um, that, that SIM has to work on a private network and it has to work on a commercial network and handing back and forth, mm -hmm. being able to securely know when you've left the private network and go to the public network. That's something that's evolving. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that because there's so many use cases where there's companies that have said, hey, we want our people to be able to use our private network, contribute, 
do their work day, and then maybe on the way out, not just a voice call, but a data session, be able to transition, finish up what they were doing, or conversely, continue on. Maybe you have somebody who, uh, a company that's in logistics, and maybe they can't make their private network extend out to the tarmac of a runway, or they can't out on the street where they're, where they're doing some work. So what they do is they want, their ask is that they can go from a private with a private eSIM to a public network with a public SIM and being able to hand back and forth. I think that's what you're going to see a big growth and explosion in because businesses have needs and they want those met between that private eSIM and that public eSIM. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see a lot of that, right? So it's going to be a heterogeneous word, not just, uh, uh, you know, just one or the other. Okay, excellent. So uh, once again, congrats on the announcements and uh, thank you very much for joining us today for the podcast. Any final comments before we close? No, I, I just appreciate you um, coming out and I appreciate you um, sharing the good news about San Francisco. We have uh, an open lab here for innovation and any business that wants to try and come together and work with Verizon, uh, the door is open. So just come on down. All right. So I'm sure a lot of people hearing that and uh, you know thinking about how to make best use of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so folks, that's all for now. Hope you found this uh, discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like. And uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another exciting tech subject. Bye-bye for now.